The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Let's pray. Father God, as we uh, go into this message, I pray that this would reign true, that we would learn what wisdom is. We would learn uh, how you establish the ways that we go. Uh, no matter what we do, you are there. And we thank you for that, Father. And I pray you would give wisdom to Scott as he gives the message now. Um, and just bless all the people listening to this, God. Uh, we thank you that you will be here. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you. And uh, I'm so glad that you're watching us today. We have been studying the book of Proverbs. And as we go through the book of Proverbs, we're learning about wisdom and how to be wise. And it's not really that easy of a thing because it's not like you can go to the bookstore and buy a book and read it in two hours, you're a wise person. What we've been learning is that wisdom is something actually that is a path. It's not a door that you open or a gate that you can open and walk through and suddenly you're wise. Wisdom is a path. It's something that has to be cultivated. It's something that has to be worked on so that when the time comes in your life to make decisions, you're already on the path of wisdom. It's much more likely, if you're already on that path, it's much more likely you're gonna make a wise choice. And the decisions that we make in life are incredibly important. Basically, wisdom is the ability to make wise choices and life is a series of choices. And, you know, the choices we make so often are like these. Who is the right person to hire? Is this the right job for me? Who should I marry? Should I marry her? Should I marry him? Is it time to have kids or not? And those are the kinds of things that we ask ourselves. Should I let my kids play video games? If so, for how long and what video games? Who should I confide in if I need to share something that's going on with me? What if the Olympics were canceled and I'm on the Olympic team? Do I try out again? Do I work so hard to try to make it if they come back next year or maybe they're not for four years? How do I decide? Should I buy a house right now or sell a house right now? That's a hard decision to make. Or maybe I should just rent. What do you do? You see, in every one of those situations, the interesting thing is there's not necessarily a moral answer or a right answer or an ethically better answer. All of them are, are legal. So how do you choose? How do you make a decision the types of decisions that you need to make in life that actually can even make or break your life. How do you do that? That's part of wisdom. Well, what does God have to say about that? What do the scriptures teach us about regular life and how do we make decisions? Well, we are called to be wise. How do we make a wise decision? Well, we need guidance. We need somebody in life to show us the ropes of life. There's an old saying, show, show me the ropes. You've probably heard that, but it's actually very, very old. The word guidance actually comes from a word that means ropes. And the idea is that if you're sailing a ship, you need to know how to use the ropes in order to, to move the sails and to be able to guide the ship. And that's where that comes from, from. If you wanted to learn to sail, you'd say, show me the ropes. Quite literally, how do you guide the ship with the ropes? So that's what that means. We need somebody to show us the ropes. And we need that at any stage of life. You need that as a young person, as you're entering life in different stages, but you also need it as an older person because you're always entering life in different stage, stages that you have not personally experienced. So how do you get this guidance? How do you get God's guidance? We all have these choices to make, so how do you do it? Well, God does give guidance, but it all does come with a cost. We make plans for our lives, but the truth is, is they don't always work out. And sometimes, often, in fact, we find out that God has other plans for our lives, different from what we planned. 
Somebody said recently that anybody who made a five-year plan five years ago missed the mark. They had no idea what would be happening right now. So your five-year plan that you made in 2015 didn't happen this year. It's totally changed. And sometimes even when our plans do work out, they don't work out the way we thought they would work out. And in fact, often though, they're better because God's plans were better than even our own. The first thing we need to understand about God's guidance and having wisdom is that there is a paradox. There is a paradox of God's guidance. To understand how God gives guidance, we've got to understand that God is going to give it paradoxically. Not all of it is going to make sense. A paradox is when you have different conclusions that seem illogical or contradictory, but in the end, they're true. And it's hard to explain because you hear two different things, two different conclusions about an event or something that might happen, and they don't seem like they fit together, but they actually do, and it's hard to explain. Usually, it's because there's some bit of information that's not known or can't be understood, or it's just hard to explain. So for example, you may have heard the phrase, this is not the beginning of the end, but the end of the beginning. And you go, well, how does that really make sense? What does that really mean? If you ever heard somebody say that? Literally, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it makes sense in context. Winston Churchill said that in 1942, after the Battle of El Amin, where the Allies stopped the Nazi advance in Egypt. And a reporter said, is this the end of the war? And he said, it's not the beginning of the end, but the end of the beginning. It doesn't make any sense, but then it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Or maybe you heard an old phrase from George Bernard Shaw, who famously said, what a pity that youth must be wasted on the young. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all, logically speaking. It can't be literally true. But you know what? When you get older, you find out it makes complete sense. And maybe if you're younger, you think, well, that's kind of offensive, but give yourself 20 or 30 years. You will look back and you will say, oh, well, I know exactly what that means. Trust me on that. You see, with many things with God, there is a paradox and they're hard to understand because we can't understand there is everything there is to know about God. If we could understand everything there is to know about God and how he operates and what he does, then we would be God. But we can't. There are things that are just in the, the holy other of who God is that we cannot explain. And it seems to us very often that it's paradoxical and yet at the same time we understand that it is true. We cannot understand an infinite reality, but God can. Proverbs shows us that a paradox is part of the fabric of that reality. And if you're going to be wise, you have to understand this and accept it and realize that while it's kind of hard to under, understand, it's actually very practical. Proverbs 21.5, it says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Haste is the idea of just being impulsive, not thinking things through. But being diligent means you're strategic, you're thoughtful, you're reflective on things. And the idea is that if you act and you plan ahead and you are strategic, your life will go better. Your plans are more likely to work out. But if you are just hasty, your plans are less likely to work out. Taking action and making a plan, it makes a difference. But look at this. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Lot casting, it's like flipping a coin or drawing straws. And look what it's saying here. It says, every little detail in a coin toss comes down exactly as God intended it. And see, even if the, even the smallest things are fixed by God's plan, and if that's true, then what difference does it make whether we have haste or we have diligence if it's all been worked out for us? You see what I mean? There's a paradox here. And human categories of thought, the way we think, we can't hold these things together. We tend to think that either our choices matter and that they are significant and that our destiny is not fixed, or what we do is we tend to think that our destiny is fixed and then maybe it doesn't really matter what we do. And there are different thoughts in biblical studies about how this works and you can get into it and you can argue about it all you want to, but for practical living, 
But Proverbs wants us to understand how this makes sense and how it really works with wisdom. In the Bible, we seem to be free to make decisions and we also seem to be determined at the same time. How does this work? Proverbs 16.1, to humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the, prosper, the proper answer of the tongue. Proverbs 16.9, in their hearts, human plans, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Proverbs 16.4, the Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. You see, here's the hard part. Your plans are your plans and your choices are your choices. God isn't forcing you to do something. And you can do something stupid or you can do something smart. You can do something foolish or wise and you are held accountable for the decision. But what actually happens in history at the same time, those things are absolutely controlled and fixed and set by God. You cannot control God or change the course of history because you did something stupid or because you were ingenious enough to somehow improve on God's plan. It doesn't work that way. Your plans belong to you, but what actually happens is completely fixed at the same time. This is very, very difficult, but we see this in scripture. In the arts, you see different arts try to wrestle with this. In the old story, maybe you had to read it in school, uh, the legend of Oedipus goes like this. He's born and an oracle says that he's going to kill his father and marry his mother, that this is his destiny. And the entire story, he makes all of these choices to try to avoid that destiny, but in the end, it's exactly what happens. His destiny is fixed. Some people think that's the way it is. There's another great 20th century epic. It's the legend of Marty McFly, it's told in the Back to the Future series. And in this, Marty goes back in time to try to fix decisions that lead to a future he doesn't want. And then the future gets better than worse than better. And at the very end of this great epic, Doc Brown looks at Marty and he says, oh, Marty, your future is whatever you'll make it, so make it a good one. You know, focus groups love that. They absolutely love this idea that the future is whatever you make it. The problem is, if you believe the Oedipus story is right, that everything is fixed, or if you believe that that in Back to the Future, you can just make the future whatever you make it, you're in a lot of trouble because neither one of those is actually true in reality. If you believe there is no connection to your decisions and their consequences, you're gonna be, become a very hard person. You won't care what you do. You'll be callous and you will be selfish. You will say, I'm just gonna leave things up to God and I'm gonna act carelessly just to get my way and I'm not gonna act wisely because God's gonna deal with it anyway. And you become that type of person and you don't consider the consequences of your actions. You're just selfish. But if you believe there's a total connection between your destiny and your choices, then what happens is you become unable to make any decision. I mean, if you start to think about it, you're just paralyzed. You have anxiety that cannot be stopped. And it becomes this fear that prevents us from making necessary changes and decisions in our lives. The fear of, well, what happens if I choose A? Man, this bad thing could happen if I choose A, but if I choose B, then this bad thing can happen. And if I choose C, then this bad thing will happen. And pretty soon you make no decision. And when you make no decision, it means you just don't have any trust in God and everything in your life will deteriorate if you don't take any action. When I was a little kid, and all of us, I think when we were kids, most of the things or many of the things that we wanted to do would have been wrong for us. That's why we need parents involved, right? My youngest son, he's eight. He wants to cook. He's at the stove and he's standing there in his pajamas and no shirt on and he's got a frying pan and he's making an egg and moving it around. And I'm just imagining these terrible burns that he can't even comprehend. And I got to stand right there with, with him to make sure that doesn't happen. And, uh, but you know what I find out, and I realized this in growing up, is that even when you get, become an adult, 
There are things that you want to do that you don't really understand what the consequences might become of them. When I was in my 20s, I was doing everything I could to get married to somebody who would have been the wrong person for me. I was pursuing a career that would have been the wrong career for me. And at the time, it seemed like I was doing the right thing. But looking back, I am so glad that God had other plans and that my plans didn't work out. The scary thing is that today I wonder what it is that I want to do right now that when I'm 60, I'm going to look back and go, that was really bad for me. Or what happens when I'm 60 and I'm 80 and I look back and go, gosh, I wish I would have known those things were bad for me that I wanted to do when I'm 60. You know, that can get very, very scary if the only thing that matters in your life are your own choices. If the only thing that determines your destiny is the choices you make, that's terribly frightening. Who wants to live in a world like that? You'll never make decisions that make any sense. You see, the biblical understanding is very tough intellectually to understand how both these things can be true at the same time, but it's utterly practical. The Bible doesn't say that your choices don't relate to your destiny or that your choices determine your destiny. God relates your choices to your destiny, so you are responsible for them, but he's the one who fixes everything in time. See, there are unknowns, and wisdom is getting guidance so that we can make the best decision possible whenever it's time to make that decision. The good news is there's something else going on outside of our own decisions too, that God is in control. And what this means is that you can relax and you can make a decision. See, all of your, if all of your decisions are fixed, then there's no incentive to do anything. But since your plans are yours and they belong to you and there are consequences, you have every incentive to be wise and to try to make good decisions and ultimately to trust God and make the decision and move forward. This is what God wants. He doesn't want you to make an unwise decision and just throw caution to the wind and say, well, we'll let the Lord fix it. That's foolishness. But also, since everything is under the control of God, who is working things together for good, for those who love him, you can relax, make the best decision you can with humility and with advice and counsel, and then move forward the best way that you can. You know, this is the reason, if you study the book of Acts, at the end of Acts, Paul, in Acts 27, he acted an interesting way. He's in a boat. And there's a terrible storm that came up. It's a bad storm. It's going to wreck the boat. The men are afraid for their lives. Well, God spoke to Paul through an angel in this story and said that no one in the boat will die. Gave him the assurance that nobody's going to die. And Paul told everybody in the boat, hey, the Lord has spoken to me and nobody's going to die in this storm. But here's the thing that's interesting. When the storm becomes bad and everybody begins to panic, Paul, who's been informed by God that nobody's going to die, he goes out and said, hey, you guys who are in the lifeboat or trying to get out of the boat, get back in here. We need you to sail the ship or else everybody's going to die. Well, why would you say that? I mean, either your lives are certain to be kept or they're not certain to be kept. Why would Paul do that? If the end is known, why would he do anything? Why would he tell them to get back in the boat? And Paul, why do you, what do you care what these guys are going to do if you believe that it's ultimately true that nobody's going to die? It's because... Paul is absolutely free and absolutely in the hands of God at the same time. He still needs to do what is right. He needs to make decisions. And everybody working together on that ship needed to make decisions so that they wouldn't die. It's a paradox. But this is how God guides. This is how he's guiding you in your life. And it is hard to understand. But at the same time, it's very, very comforting to know. God can redeem our bad decisions in life and even make them something good. And God can even redeem our really good decisions and make the outcome of them something that glorifies him even better. This is the paradox of God's guidance and wisdom. There's also a quietness of God's guidance. Proverbs 16, 4, the Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. 
not only are the little things part of God's plan, but the bad things are too, evil deeds. Now, if you haven't thought through these other Proverbs, you'd say that maybe God is the author of evil. But do you see the plans of mankind belong to him? The plans of a man belong to him. Evil deeds belong to the evildoer. They are responsible. Nobody made you do that. But the Lord at the same time will work out everything. And in the end, God is involved and this is the idea. In the Old Testament, we have a great example of this with the story of Joseph. We studied this last fall. Joseph's dad, Jacob, was poisoning the family system as a father. He wasn't the best father and he was favoring Joseph over the rest of the brothers. And Joseph became arrogant like you would. And he was on the way to becoming probably a cruel person, probably a bully himself. And his brothers, his brothers were becoming murderously angry. They sold him into slavery. And then later Joseph gets falsely accused and thrown into prison. And this goes on for years. And you might want to ask, where is God? It's only a few chapters of our reading, but in the course of his life, what is going on? Why, why, is God does, why doesn't God seem to be acting? And yet what you find out in his story is only because every one of those things have gone wrong. What happens is Joseph is humbled. He gets put into a position ultimately where suddenly he becomes a man of greatness. The brothers are repentant. The family and thousands of others are saved from starvation. And later Joseph looks at his brothers and he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You see, Never ever think that God isn't working in your life, no matter how much it seems like he's absent. God is always working in your life. And never think that you're gonna figure out what he's up to all the time right away. You find out in the end what God is up to. See, God wants us to trust him, otherwise he would just tell us what he's up to. But because he doesn't, it requires us to trust in him, which is what God wants from us. You see, guidance is something that God is doing more than something that God is giving. Right? It's something that he is always doing. It's not necessarily going to be something that you just suddenly get. Wherever you are in your life right now, you're standing in God's guidance. You are. You are being navigated even if you don't think so. And if you want to live a wise life, if you want to be calm in the storms, if you want to relate to God when all kinds of things happen in the world, you have to know that God is always guiding you. This is how God does it, and often it's very quiet but there's also a way that God gives guidance because you do have decisions to make, right? I mean, practically speaking, okay, well, God is guiding and maybe he's quiet and uh, I'm responsible for my decisions, but how do I move forward in wisdom and do that? How do I make sure I'm making a wise decision? How do I get the guidance that God is doing? Well, you have to pay the price for it and develop wisdom. And what I mean by pay the price is this, Proverbs 16:3. commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. One translation says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. You know, and that sounds great, but you gotta think about what this really means. Commentators point out that this is actually a reversal of what a lot of people think. We tend to think that if we commit our plans to the Lord, then our deeds will succeed, that that's what this means. As if we're supposed to say, oh Lord, bless my plans, and then my plan will become your plan, and if I ask you in Jesus' name. But that's not what it says. It means commit your deeds to the Lord and you will become the kind of person who makes plans that align with God's purposes and therefore they will be successful. See, if you wanna make wise decisions, you've got to be asking yourself, do the plans I'm making, does the choice I'm about to make, does it align with God's plan as much as I can know it? Does it align with God's will as best as I can tell? Is the decision I'm about to make fit within what I think God's will is for my life? Sometimes we know exactly what God's will is because the word just tells us. 
But other times we have to be on the path of wisdom to know God well enough to say, I think this might be what God wants me to do. It means you commit your deeds to the Lord and you become this kind of person. See, wisdom is always about becoming a certain kind of person. That wisdom in the Bible is not just giving you the answer so you can make a decision. It's about making you the type of person who makes wise choices. It's being on this path of wisdom so when you get to the place of a big decision, you know how to make the wise choice because you've been walking on that path. What this means is that unconditionally, we should trust God for all the things that happen in our life. And we will become that kind of person that makes wise plans because we trust God. You know, what's interesting is that sometimes you pay for advice. Sometimes you hire a consultant. You can ask your friends for advice on what to do, but sometimes your friends don't really know. You need to talk to an expert and then you pay for advice. You can do that. And you know, when you pay for advice, the interesting thing is you listen more. You take notes, you write them down. You figure this person must be an expert. They know more than most people. I better pay attention if I'm going to listen to their counsel, and especially if I'm paying for it, right? Well, here's the thing. When we come to God and we ask God for his will, God's fee is the highest. It is because God asks for an abandonment of our own will. Basically, we come to God and we say, God, I trust you. I will do what you will, what you will, and how you will. I surrender my life to you. See, if you want to be wise, you have to surrender your decisions to the will of God and try to make them in the best way possible so that they fit what God wants to do. What does it mean to unconditionally trust God with my life? It means, God, from this moment on, I'm going to obey you for what you tell me, whether I understand it or not. And what happens as time goes on, I'm going to realize that your plans are better than mine because it's wise to fear the Lord, and I do. And so I'm going to trust you for your plans. See, what is your greatest fear in life? Fear it prevents us from making sometimes the right decision or a decision that we need to make. You know what our best fear needs to be? We need to fear God. We need to fear that His plans are better than ours and be afraid to go against them. We need to fear God so that we can be in line with God and His plans. Wisdom begins there. Maybe this isn't exactly what you're looking for in how to make a wise decision. You know, we're often looking for how it works on TV shows or how it worked for Paul where the angel showed up and just told him, you know, a TV show, the angel shows up and everyone sits on the couch in the living room and the angel just explains it all and works it out. And you saw an angel with Paul and there's an angel with Joseph and Jacob, but almost never does it happen that way, even in the Bible. It almost never happens that way. And in reality, nobody even gets wise that way. They're just given a push in the right direction of a certain decision that needed to be made. You see, nobody really learns that they are a sinner simply because they're told they have to be shown. And no one learns that God loves them by just being told. What you find out is that you are shown over and over again in your life. Over and over again, you've been in positions where you think that maybe God has abandoned you, where you're not really sure that God is there. And later you discover that you're wrong, that he has loved you and been there all along. And over time, you discover your flaws and you accept those and you say, you made me with certain strengths. God, use me in areas of my strengths and stop Stop me from putting myself in areas where I'm not really made to serve and do things. And you find out that when you do things the way God designed you, you're a lot more successful. And wherever you're working, the people around you are more successful because you're doing what you ought to be doing. You see, over time, you discover that God is not leaving you. You realize that you need to make bolder plans for Him according to how He made you, according to where you believe He's calling you in life. You see, the more you commit to your life, you commit your life to God, you become a more and more wise person. Proverbs 11:3, the integrity of the upright guides them, 
but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. You know, this says that honesty guides you and being upright guides you. Wouldn't it be better to say that God guides honest people? But that's not actually what it says. It says that this, the integrity of the upright is what guides because you are righteous, you are with the Lord. See, God doesn't tell you how much to get guided, but how do you become the kind of person who gets guidance? It's the development of who you are. Becoming an honest person is the type of person that God is looking for and will give guidance to because God wants to use honest people. The more honest you are, the more you see how honesty is blessed and the guidance that God gives becomes more obvious. Proverbs 12, 5, the plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. Righteous, it means that you have a right relationship with God, an unconditional trust. You see, if you are right with God, the more your plans become wise, smarter, more fair, realistic and successful because they work in reality, even the reality of the paradox that often is there in life. Reality is persistent. It will always come to fruition in your life, even spiritually. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. You know, sometimes we make decisions and it seems right to us, but really have you looked? Have you looked to the others who have experience, who have gone before you, who actually study the issue, who are actually involved? Do you look to them or you just say, I'm right because I think I'm right and I prayed and I, and I asked God to make his plans my plans and he did because I said in Jesus' name, therefore I must be right. That's not scriptural. God wants us to ask for counsel, godly counsel, wise counsel, not just anybody. But we should listen to advice. Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. How do I get guidance from God? You commit yourself to him completely and it turns you into a person of wisdom. You get humility, so you turn to others for advice because you know that you don't know everything. Again, this isn't what everybody likes to hear. Sometimes people come to me and say, pastor, I need to know what God's will is for my life and I gotta make this decision. And that conversation usually ends with me saying, Make a decision, just do it, pick one or the other. And that's not what people want. They want me to make the decision or maybe I've got some kind of relationship with God they think and God's gonna tell me and I'm gonna, it doesn't work that way. You wanna be on the path of wisdom so that you in relationship to God are better equipped to make the right decision. And, and what I'm saying is this, a feeling we have our own experience or our own desires cannot be our only rationale for making the decisions we make in life. You know, if Jesus decided whether or not to die for us based upon how he was feeling in the garden, well, I guess he wouldn't have done it because he was having a hard time with that. God wants us to use wisdom and to make a decision and then trust him for the outcome. He wants us to trust him for that outcome, but make the wisest decision we can. We're accountable for that decision. At the same time, we can relax because God is still in control. And using wisdom means that we have to give up of ourselves, and this is key. We sacrifice ourselves for others. We make sure that Jesus's concerns are our own and we live for him. We make decisions based on what is right for the kingdom of God and not what is right for my own kingdom. See, if that's the thinking we have, if we're thinking what is better for the kingdom of God with this decision I have to make in every decision, should I buy a house or should I rent? Should I marry this person or not? Should I take this job? Should I move here? What should I do, Lord? When we seek first the kingdom of God, we find out that we're on the path of wisdom. God, what is better for your kingdom as I make this decision? See, when we do that, we recognize that guidance is something that God is always doing. And it's something that he also expects us to act upon. These things act together. 
Proverbs 16, three, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. See, when we are, our plans are God's plans, they're gonna succeed. Some takeaways for today is this. What is God's will for your life? Number one, he does want you to be wise. He wants you to make wise decisions. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Your plans will be successful in the long run when they are also God's plans. That is ultimate wisdom to make your plans the same as God's plans, to be concerned about the things that Jesus is concerned about, to seek first the kingdom of God. See, all this is in scripture for us to know. And the Proverbs writer is assembling this knowledge right here for us. God wants us to be wise. Secondly, he wants us to make ourselves the person that he wants us to be. If you want to get married and you're afraid of making a wrong choice, here's what you do. You make yourself into the person that the right person will be attracted to. So you can't control those other people. But if you want to marry the right person, the person who loves God, the person who understands you, know, you, those kinds of things, then make yourself into the kind of person that that person would be attracted to. And then you're gonna make the right person because this is what God wants. You wanna make your marriage better? If you're already married, make yourself into the kind of spouse God wants you to be and your marriage will improve. You wanna choose the right job or career? Consider what kind of ministry might go on in that job or career that you might wanna have. It might seem like, well, my career has nothing to do with ministry. Actually, every career has everything to do with ministry because you're gonna be around people and you're gonna be around people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus and need to see it in your life. That's what God cares about as far as what job you pick. Where are you gonna be a better minister to the people who work there? You see, you're gonna make the right decision. Is it the right time to retire? Well, consider less what you can afford and consider more how God will use you to minister to others with all of your free time. See, it's a different question about retirement. Do I just have enough where I can just retire? Well, what are you gonna do with that retirement? You know, people used to retire and then die. That's how it worked. Not anymore. Now you retire and you live 20, 30 years. Most of those years being pretty active. What are you gonna do? You wanna seek the kingdom of God. You wanna trust God, seek his kingdom first, and then you have to make a decision. See, wisdom is recognizing that we are free to make plans and choices, but we cannot live outside of God's work in the universe. We can't. The world is his, and the more we know that, the wiser we will become and the more confident we will be in the decisions we make. We will make decisions that please the one who loves us. We will want to make decisions that please the one who's guiding us, the one who adopts us, the one who saves us, the one who's preparing a place for us for all eternity. You see, our lives are not just temporary. Our lives are eternal. They are forever. And when we make choices, when we want to make decisions, we need to be about that. And whatever the decision is that you've got to make, this job or that job, get married, have kids, rent, buy, whatever it might be. You gotta think of it in terms of eternity and God's purposes because that's what God is guiding you through in his quietness, in the paradox of what it seems in life. This is what God is doing. You follow God first and then you make a decision. That's how it works. I hope that is very helpful for you. See, the word of God, it can take some stuff that's very complicated and then narrow it down to just a couple of principles and if you stay on that path, the path of wisdom, you will make the best choices possible. And if those choices don't turn out the way you think they should, relax, God is still in control. He is not off the throne because you made this decision or that decision. God's plan is gonna be working for you. It works for the good of all who love him. Put your trust in that. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word and 
all of us have decisions to make. And we live in a time of uncertainty where we're making decisions we didn't know we had to make a few months ago. Whatever that is, Lord, in our lives, I pray that each one of us would seek your kingdom first, that we would recognize that we are responsible for the choices that we make, that we should be wise in how we do that, but also take great comfort in knowing that you are in control, that the decisions we make do not make us unlovable, do not make us somehow outside of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, but that forgiveness and grace is available no matter what. God, if we're listening and we realize we have not been on the path of wisdom today, Lord, we ask that you put us back on it, that we would seek your kingdom and we would make decisions today, small decisions, big decisions that put us on the path of God's kingdom and that we would trust you, that we would not be bound by fear. Well, what if this happens? Well, what if those people do that? And what if this? God, that is not of you. Give us wisdom to make good decisions in our lives and together even as a church. And help us to rely on you for your kingdom and your will to be done. We thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.